0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Edna White, your host on Keeping It Real on Purpose. This is the place for an in-depth conversation about your life, purpose, and personal wellness in every aspect of your life. We talk about real life issues to develop life and your relationships and certainly your business on purpose. We keep it real so that you know we are real. Today on the show, we're excited to have Justin Williams, who is the author of *In the Eye of the Father*. Welcome, Justin, to *Keeping It Real on Purpose*.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, spend a little time with me today. Thank you. You know,
0: you're welcome. I'm, well, I'm excited. So when I'm excited, my audience audience is excited. Um, like I told you earlier, I read your book during meditation (laughs) and within an hour. So I have pages turned down, and I just wanted to start by just introduce us to In the Eye of the Father.
1: Absolutely, so um, In the Eye of the Father, a memoir of faith and redemption is is my personal story, my life story. And uh, it was uh, published last November, and uh, I wanted to write a book initially Mm -hmm. to for it to be used as a template right right to help others that have gone through issues have had traumatic experiences etc and to give them an idea of maybe something different or something that they've you know never heard of or not too familiar with right right Mm -hmm. um I, i experienced a lot of trauma um at the hands of my biological father as a child okay and um definitely want to provide. Uh, readers with a, a template to to help them get through uh, or or heal from from their traumatic experiences. Um, what I didn't realize before I started, and I did realize once I I got into it with with the writing, et cetera, is it actually became uh, a healing piece for me. Oh yeah. And it also yeah absolutely, and it, and it brought about a lot of closure as well. Yeah. Uh, with regarding some questions I had um, and. I think to, to sum it up, um, if I had one sentence, it, it, it's located on the, on the back of my book at the very top. It says, the first step of understanding who we will become mm-hmm. comes at the death of who we were, right? Oh. And that is a, a statement that has always resonated with me. And I had ideas of, of, of what that would feel like at, at one point, mm-hmm. uh, but it was, it's much greater than than I could have ever imagined. Okay. Um, you know, just to, to to take it back to before I was born, when my mom was was pregnant with me, she had a vision that her and my father were, were you know riding in a in a hearse, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this black blob, if you will, covers the entire vehicle, yeah. and that started my mom. It, it it really did, and she she got scared, and the first thing she thought obviously was, wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna die, or I'm gonna have some type of complication. Mm-hmm. During this birth, right? So fast forward a few months later, June 8th, 1978 mm-hmm. uh, She's in labor in in the hospital and uh, she I was a pretty big baby. I was almost 10 pounds Oh, wow. And she, yeah, she had a very very <laughs> difficult time uh, with the delivery that mm-hmm. I just I wouldn't drop down and into the birth canal and Her doctor had her do this maneuver mm-hmm. where he had her bring her knees to her chest and then begin a rocking motion right well, that, that was the worst thing that, that he could have had her do Heaven. because what happened was her, her uterus ruptured and mm-hmm. she began to bleed out. And uh, while she was laying on the table in the, in, in the, in the uh, delivery room, there was mm-hmm. a mirror on the ceiling and then she saw all this blood and she really freaked out. And the doctor got scared and he had to contact the head OBGYN of the hospital and uh, wow. that doctor was finally able to deliver me. And uh, I had to go to uh, ICU, and uh, my mom had to go get a couple uh, blood transfusions. So it was about a solid week mm-hmm. before I actually met my mom for the first time. Right. You know, if you think about childbirth, a, a woman carries carries a child for nine months. It's it's very very important for that child to be able to bond immediately with that mother. Absolutely. You know, but I I didn't have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, that, that was, that was, that was huge. And I didn't realize that until I got into the writings of this book, right. but, um, fast forward a couple of years later from my, my earliest memories, were probably when I was about three or four years old, I probably said about four years old. And, mm-hmm. um, I always thought that we had a pretty, pretty, you know, pretty natural, and good life for, for what I knew at that time. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my parents, uh, my, we're from the Metro Detroit area, my father worked for general motors and uh my, my mom she 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 worked for the army she was a civilian employee for the army and mm-hmm. she uh was very fortunate in her career and she she uh she did very well uh she i remember uh stories she tells from time to time she taught uh, she went to dc to the pentagon and taught high-ranking uh military officials uh on on diversity okay. and uh, yeah, this is like the early, early mid-80s. So you can imagine what that was like. For oh,
0: them. yeah, and, I can imagine. Know, being <laughs> an Af-
1: African-American woman. Yeah, <laughs> I can <laughs> imagine. High-ranking military officials telling them about diversity. They were trying to hear it, and I'm putting that kindly. So, um, the earliest, um, recognition I have of experiencing trauma mm-hmm. was when I was about five years old. Okay. And, uh. I remember my brother and I, we, we used to stay at home by ourselves for a couple couple hours. My mom went into work about seven, eight o'clock in the morning, got mm-hmm. home about five. My dad went in around noon uh-huh. and got home late at night. And I remember he, the thing was, don't go outside. My brother and I went outside and we saw that. Uh, we went outside of the house to play with our friends. Right. 10, 15 minutes outside, we see him pulling up. We get scared, we run in the house. Sounds and, familiar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, early 80s, 70s, they had those, man, those belts were probably about three, four inches thick. Oh, yeah. Thick they were bumps. real yeah, leather. Father, <laughs> yeah, real leather, yeah. <laughs> yeah my father definitely, definitely worked wore those all the time. And I remember he came in the house. He was so upset. He, he stripped us down to our, to our trousers, our underwear. And
0: wow.
1: I'll tell you what, he let us have it. Right. We were, and this went on for about twenty, maybe thirty minutes, and the guy was four. Wow. My brother was about five or six, and I remember when it was all said and done, I had these uh, these bruises and these welts you know, mm-hmm. across my entire body, my legs, my back. And one scene I remember very vividly is when he mm-hmm. for about uh, three to five minutes. So these are these these traumatic experiences that I'm having. Then uh, soon after that, I'd say about a year after that, my mother and I, I'm sorry, uh, he and my mother, they got into a, into a really bad argument, right? and uh, yeah. he, he hit her, my brother and I, we ran, and we hid, and we saw him go to the kitchen to grab a knife, and then he chased her out the house with the knife, and I remember he came back in about a minute later, put all the kitchen knives into a bag, and then
0: went looking for her. Oh, wow. And he was gone for about 20, 30 minutes. And then I remember my
1: mom came back in the house and she said, hurry, hurry, boys, hurry, we got to pack. We're going to go to Toledo to live with your sister and your brother-in-law. And uh, we, we had a police uh, drive us to this donut shop. And we waited there until my, my sister picked us up. And uh, I remember my father's mother, my grandmother, telling me about that night because he had he had stopped to call her. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to kill Eunice. I'm going to kill her. I'm tired of, tired of this, tired of this, tired of this. And then she, she, she talked him down. She told him, you know what, Jesse, if you kill Eunice, then your children are going to grow up without a father. And I knew you love your boys because she's going to be dead and you're going to be going to prison for life. Right. And that's not fair to fair to them. So thank God that she was able to talk them down. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we, we moved to Toledo, Ohio and you know, I started a new school lived with my sister and her family, then my mom bought a house in Toledo. And then, unfortunately, I had another uh, traumatic event happen um, when I was about seven, eight years old Uh in Ohio, where my older brother, he was about 21, 22 at the time. He had a drug addiction at the time, and this is maybe mid-80s, and and you think back then, early, late 70s, early
0: 80s, you know, crack cocaine, hit our neighborhoods. Yeah, very hard, Um, yeah. Very hard. Yeah, very hard. The,
1: uh, you know, I won't get into too much, but I, I believe that was a, a planned effort by, by
0: the federal government. Oh, too, my, I, CIA, well, please, yes. CIA. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, unfortunately, as a young, young black man, he fell victim to that to that lifestyle. And I remember he came home uh, very high uh, one day. My brother and I were home by ourselves, and he accused us, uh, accused us of stealing $700 of his money. He, he said he left it in his car. He, he said we went out there and took it it was Connor We said, "Oh man, we didn't, we didn't do that." I mm-hmm. will well, tell you what, he, he grabbed an extension cord and he went to work on us for a solid 20, 30 minutes. Wow! And I just remember running through the house and he's just beating us on the head, on the face, on the on the on our backs, on our legs. I mm-hmm. haven't crack, you know, doing this. Right. So that was an, another uh, traumatic experience, and okay. uh, you know, all of these these traumatic experiences that that I experienced that that caused me to. Shut down, you know, right. and and not know how to express myself, and I mm-hmm. became this introvert, introverted kid, mm-hmm. and uh, just to go back to my father while living with him, because you know, we, obviously we lived with him before the move to Ohio, but we wound up living with him again uh, right around uh, I think I was about nine, ten years old, right before I started middle school, right. And, he, you know, he, he was very controlling. He, he was a military man as well. He did some right. time in the
2: Marines and
1: mm-hmm. his mantra, for, you know, uh, was a childish to be seen and not heard. And mm-hmm. he was very controlling and I didn't have the opportunity to express myself, to, to think for myself and to learn how to think through different things because he was just always there. It was, you know, my way or the highway type right. situation. Mm-hmm. You know? and, um, so all of this trauma and his, his, his controlling and dominating ways really caused me to shut down it became this fearful kid and this quiet kid didn't know the first thing about expressing himself, right? And so this caused issues in school. I never wanted to go to school because I was I was frightened to be able to talk to other kids or yeah. frightened to be able to stand in front of the classroom and talk to and, and, and you know, give a presentation or a speech or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um you know, they there again, these traumatic experiences I then I remember in middle school, uh, my parents got back together and my father lived with us. Sixth through eighth grade, and uh, you know this this was a really hard
2: time, probably the most challenging time living with him. Uh And uh, just to give a little bit more backdrop on my dad, he he was also
1: also an alcoholic, which which made things you know even worse. You know, I always like to tell people he had this Doctor and Jekyll um, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, I should say, personality. Mm -hmm. Be this complete uh, evil type person, but on the other hand. Probably the nicest guy you would ever want to meet just you know we give you the shirt off his back type of person you know like everyone that knew him uh just had nothing but 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 praise to, to speak you know when when talking about him
2: but, right. uh,
1: you know oh, I remember in middle school uh, one very traumatic event that happened was uh, this was the summertime and he told me to make sure I took a shower by the uh-huh. time he got home at night because he got home around eleven, twelve o'clock at night and uh, I said, all right, Dad. So I, I remember hearing this car pull up, looking out the window. And then my heart started to race because I knew I hadn't taken my shower. I'd spent all day, <laughs> day and night playing. And uh, first thing he did when he walked in the house, said, Justin, did you did you shower? I said, no, Dad. So he pulls me by my ear, takes me into the bathroom, turns on the the sink, the uh, the bathroom sink. Mm-hmm. Grabs me by the neck at that point and pushes my head on the water. And the water's just, you know, uh, running through my hair and. Uh, then he oh. starts to shampoo it. Then he, he used to use this, this uh, product called uh, his hot oil treatment. I think V8 hot oil
0: treatment. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember and, that. <laughs> yeah, I remember that.
1: Yeah, so now with those, what you're supposed to do is just run them under hot water, those little vials.
0: Yeah, little just warm, warm right. that up, he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What he did, he boiled them on the stove. Oh, god. Okay.
1: Yeah, and he had about two or three of them. And then uh, wow. he told me, he said, keep your keep your A W S right there. I'll be right back. Right. Boy, that came back with that hot oil and just held my head under that water and just poured that oily oil all over my head. Wow. And uh, I couldn't cry because, you know, crying wasn't allowed. Oh, so yeah. I'm just holding all this emotion in. And then he finishes with the oil treatment and washing my hair, et cetera. Then he lets me go by the neck, and then I just fall to the ground. And again, not crying because I couldn't mm-hmm. show any emotion like that in front of him. right. And he says, now get your ass in the shower. Right. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So then I remember getting in the
2: shower. And then once I got in the shower, I just couldn't, I couldn't hold it anymore. I just broke right. down and holl- hollered out, you know? Yeah. And uh, just, you know,
1: it burned, burned my scalp so bad that uh, mm-hmm. my hair fell out, you know? Couldn't, wow. couldn't grow the hair there for, for some time. Right. And then I remember one time he jumped on my brother, uh, my older brother, Jewel, and uh, did him in pretty bad. He disowned him as his son.
0: It was just a hot mess. Yeah. And then once high school started, he uh he moved out. My parents they tried making it work, but you know, obviously it didn't. And yeah. They went their separate ways. And then I
1: started high school. I tell you what, uh I, I was wild in high school. You know, always a, always a nice kid, but football was my thing, but as soon as football season was over in December, January, after my freshman year, I started hanging out with uh, people I sh- probably shouldn't have been hanging out with right. was,
0: most people would say and doing things I shouldn't have been doing like drinking and smoking right. you know things like that and
1: uh, we went. my mom moved went to another high school and uh, just high school was probably you know that's definitely the worst experience school experience of my life you know mm-hmm. just things didn't go well I had hopes and dreams of being a football player and I, I was pretty good at had, had these college offers at uh, in my after my freshman year and obviously that didn't come right but uh you know, it was just it was it was hard. You know. Oh yeah. Um, and I felt I felt so alone too because my mom was very busy with work and then she was into the church as well and mm-hmm. she was always involved in a lot of community activities and so uh, she she just wasn't um, you know and I love my mother dearly. She sure. was a great mom, but she she had her life. You know, yep. it was very hard for her to raise two two teenage boys with, right. without a without a male uh, male, uh, male around. Right. And so my brother and I got oh. into a lot of different stuff and then. When I was 19, I met a young lady and uh, we dated for a bit and she she became pregnant and Mm -hmm. that's when my first child was born, and uh, Justin. And I tell people all the time about him is that he was my saving grace because, again, I was running the streets of Detroit and doing things I shouldn't have been doing, but uh, when he was born, that that changed everything. I, I made the decision, hey, I need to be there for him, and it was important to me to be a better father than my father was. Uh, be a, a better father to him than my father was mm. to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really settled down. And, he and my mother, I mean, his mom and I, we, we, we dated for a few years and we went our separate ways. And then mm. I was a single father for many years. And um, then, then I met my wife. And, uh, you know, we, after marriage, we were married for a few years and we decided to make a move across the country. And, you know, we made another move to where we're out, we, where we are now out here in, in the Phoenix area. Uh-huh. But... After we made that move, I always found myself searching, right? And I was one of those kids that was definitely raising, to, raising the church. My husband was licensed evangelist. I was one of those kids that, you know, went to church, yeah. you know, went
0: Faithfully. elementary, middle school, yeah,
1: three, four, five times a week, yes. et cetera, right? Yes. And uh, never lost sight of God. I always kept him in my heart mm-hmm. regardless of what I was doing. But um, I found that my wife and I, we
0: were searching, right, because Christianity it, it, it just didn't seem yeah. to do what it wants what, what it, I thought it should be doing for me. At right, Atari. right, right.
1: We, we looked into, uh, you know, Nation of Islam, we looked into uh, yeah. a lot of different things yeah. and, and not, yeah. nothing quite settled. Mm-hmm. Um, and fast forward to 2020, you know, as we know what happened in 2020 with, mm-hmm. with everything. And uh, so I was laid off work and I'm sitting at home and uh, old a buddy of mine got in contact with me, a guy I hadn't spoke to. And I've known him for over 20 years, and we would, we would make contact every every few years or so. And right.
0: He started telling, telling me about spirituality and meditation. And, yeah. Um, like angels and, um,
1: you know, the, all these different yeah. things that I was unfamiliar with. And right. I started doing these things, the meditation. I started doing a, a meditation specifically called the Gateway Experience. Right. Uh, that uses, that's a hemisync meditation that uses by Neural Beats. Mm-hmm. And, um... I tell you what, I start having all these experiences, and I'm talking out-of-body experiences, yeah. and astral travel, and these different yep. things. And,
0: and quantum leaping, uh, and all of that great you know, stuff. yes, <laughs> man, you said
1: it, absolutely. So, you know, and this is much different than, than how I was raised in, in oh, the sure. Church of God in Christ,
0: right? Oh, yeah, it's, absolutely. Like, you absolutely. know, the
1: Church of God, Pentecost, know, no, no, that's the stuff.
0: That's, that's, witchcraft. that's witchcraft. That's yeah, witchcraft. And all this, you know? <laughs> so I
1: kind of struggled with that at first, but I couldn't deny it because I, I, I felt myself change. Right,
0: you felt I, yourself change. myself,
1: yeah, and, and this meditation, this spirituality helped me with my healing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Right? And, and this is why, 2020 is where I made this huge transformation. Yeah.
0: Huge.
1: You know, the transformation actually started before then, but I guess it did a pivot in 2020 right. when I was introduced right. to all this all this uh, different spirituality things right. and I started working with Andrew Metacron also known as, as Michael from the Bible mm-hmm. and um, you know he, he's, he's become my guide well he's actually always
0: been here with me but absolutely um, you just so noticed I, him you really noticed yes,
1: him <laughs> exactly I got this, this sense of awareness that wasn't yeah. there before right. then I discovered these other gifts and I'm going through my healing and then the spirit spoke you know and he, they said keep doing what you're doing don't go in another direction right you know since i've done that i mean again going back to what the back of my book says the first step of understanding who we become comes at the death of who we were yeah and that old me there was a death of the old me and i'm this i'm, I'm reborn and, and renewed and, right um now i'm into um helping others and and, right. and manifesting my future and um All and, of that and i love it's real yes yeah, absolutely you know it's
0: so real. So I have to unpack uh, all of this. I have to unpack you. <laughs> you gave me a, from A to Z and I, you know, I really do appreciate the fact that you shared um that you noticed a lot of trials and tribulations before that you knew there was trials and tribulations. And that's important because um knowing where the traumas are and you know um and being able to root them out is important. Um and I want to thank you for that. Thank you for the up to date to 2020. And I don't want you to go past 2020 right now. <laughs> no. Okay. So I want I want to unpack what you said um so that the the audience can really um understand. And I think I, I think going through the book cuz now you we've got the backdrop of your life. We've got that. And now um I have a, an excerpt from your book I'm going to start. Um, I'm going to read it. Physical distance was truly meaningless in the, in the world of the spirit. Can you explain that? I'm sorry. I think you said it one more time. Physical distance was truly meaningless in the world of the spirit. And this is in the first chapter of The Whispers yeah. in the Night. Yeah, yeah, physical distance. Yeah, so you know, one
1: one thing I, I've learned, uh, and, and and that that journey began in twenty twenty is I learned about the spiritual world, right? right? And I learned that the spiritual world is completely opposite of the world we live live in this this realm, this this earth we're on. Right. I also learned that spiritual warfare is real. You know, you hear about that. I heard about that coming up in church, but sure, I never a good of it. I always thought. That okay, you have God fighting Satan or whatever you want
0: to call it. Right, 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 right. But
1: I learned that it just goes so much deeper than that, and oh, how sure. that this spiritual warfare is going on not only in my life, not only in your life, but right. in everyone's life, and not only in everyone's life, but on so many different
0: levels. Levels, well,
1: yeah. Whether you talk about government, where you talk about media, mm-hmm. when you talk about uh, education whether you yeah. talk about, I mean, you name it, it yeah. it's, it's there, right. it, it is there, yeah. so with, with, with that being said, knowing that there's a spiritual warfare going on and knowing that, um, you know, the, the spiritual world and, and this realm we live in are, are completely, um, completely different, um, I then learn that things that
0: go on in this world, on this earth, mm-hmm. it actually starts first in the spiritual world. Oh, Absolutely
1: yeah yeah so this is something that i want and that that was just like the lifting of the veil as they say right and that really helped me in regards to my healing with dealing with fear Mm -hmm. because the spirit put on my heart letting me know that hey first of all i don't have anything to worry about because i have a purpose and the father has a plan for me Mm -hmm. he's going to use me for for his glory and for his kingdom and that's that's to to be a to be of service to to humanity right, right? Mm-hmm. um and
2: one thing one thing i did in 2020 that really helped me break free from the the fear um issues that i was dealing with that started many years ago right uh, actually started when i
1: when i was uh uh being born you know yeah because um, that was a traumatic experience Oh, absolutely not only, from my mom, not only from my mom but from myself as well but mm-hmm. I, I just you know came, came to that realization uh, in 2020, but one of the things I did was I went skydiving, mm-hmm. right, and, um, you know, if she were to ask me 2019, even early 2020, would I go up fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 feet in the plane and jump? Right. I was like, no, you got you got the wrong guy. Yeah. No, not happening, I don't do things like that, but right. I felt led <laughs> to do it, the spirit spoke and said, you know, you need to do this, and mm-hmm. I, I pushed it away, and it took me a couple months before I finally, um. Uh, decide to do it, because you know what
0: it's like when the spirit's just on you about doing something. Yeah, you have to kind of obey. (laughs) Yeah, you start having these
1: synchronicities and
0: everything. Exactly. It lines itself (laughs) up. lines right Right. up. Exactly. And and
1: so I did it. I went up in that plane and I I jumped uh, one of the most challenging weeks Uh, leading up to that jump that I've ever had, but but I did it. And, And what I realized, or what I learned from doing that is that you you have to deal with fear. There's no going around it. You have no. to go through it. Yeah. But the beauty of it all is that God places the best things in life on the other side of fear. Yeah. Right? Everything. So I'm not, I'm not here to say I don't fear anymore because I do, we all do, mm-hmm. but I have a better ability to control that fear or to fight that fear, if right. you will, yeah. which makes life so much easier, which brings a freedom, which brings a liberation, which yeah. brings a, a self-justice, right. you know, where, where you're not you're not a slave to that fear, and, and that was very instrumental in, in helping me uh, move on, but, um, you know, just learning about the spiritual world and, and learning that uh, I need to be guided by the by the spirit to mm-hmm. fulfill my purpose in life. That's that's right. that's where
0: I'm at. Okay, very good. You talk about the internal world needs balance. In the absence of balance, all sorts of inadequies inadequacies can pour out from an individual. What did you mean by that? Well, the internal world itself, you know, the internal internal word is self because we, we all are experiencing different realities
2: okay. you know and if I, I truly believe that if one does not have balance then it definitely will lead to um inadequacies mm-hmm.
1: um, I, I believe it's very important to be to have the balance of spirituality in mm-hmm. your life um your uh your body body spirit and mind those mm-hmm. are like the top three mm-hmm. and then obviously you know you have to have the balance if you have a family within you within your family you have to have your your uh, if you have a career, you have to have your career balanced as well. Oh, yeah. now, if those three things aren't balanced, then you're gonna you're gonna have some things, things aren't just gonna be, be right, maybe not go right for you, you know um, or at least the way that you envision that they should Yeah. you know, but, but having that balance brings a sense of peace and calming mm-hmm. right. you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it really does, that's been my experience and, and, and
0: from talking with, with other individuals as right. well, that I find that to be true with a lot of others too Right. okay okay all right i got that now um of course um i've heard you talk about your dad and uh, the trauma that you experienced um with him um but in your book you talk about the effect of your father's absence that it had on you as another layer of trauma can you um allude to that yeah absolutely um kind of goes back to what i said a few minutes ago, my, da- my dad having that that split personality, if you will, mm-hmm. you know that that Dr. Jekyll, Mister Hyde, right? Um, you know, and I, I love my
2: dad. You know, mm-hmm. and I still to this day he he's transitioned uh, many years ago, but you know, mm-hmm. I love him, and I, I'm very thankful for for uh, the positive things. Well, I, I'll say this: I'm thankful for everything I experienced with him, mm-hmm. even the trauma. You know, I don't have any regrets about any of it. Uh, now, I do
1: believe that. If he was around when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, more so after high school, then I probably could have avoided a lot of a lot of the issues that I ran into as a
2: young man. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I definitely believe that it would have made me, uh, you know, uh, better, better rounded,
1: well-rounded, if you will. Right. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for for both young men and women. Yeah, <laughs> young men and women of, of color that look yeah. like me. Needing their
0: their parents, right, the
1: parents. Uh, both parents in the home. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it is a single parent situation, single parents do a hell of a job with, right. uh, with raising their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, if we talk about that balance, we talk about a child's emotional stability and uh, t- a child's comfortability. I, I definitely think that uh, if if a parent is around mm-hmm. who, who is a positive influence in that child's life it is very very helpful very beneficial to that child uh, i learned a lot of great things from my dad you know yeah, we do mm-hmm. that those, those traumatic experiences but i learned a lot of great things i learned what it what it takes to, to be to be a responsible man uh, a responsible black man knowing uh he, he dealt with a lot you know he, mm-hmm. he was in the service in, in the 50s He went in when he was 16. Right. obviously the, the laws are different now but um you know, in the fifties, a sixteen-year-old in the Marines, he, he experienced so much racism. He was fighting almost every day. They did some terrible things, like urinating on his body, sleep spitting mm-hmm. on him. And he, he he himself carried a lot of that negative negative energy, toxicity right. around for many years from those um, racial experiences he had. And he had some issues with his father as well. They got into this huge fight in the seventies where his uh, his dad wound up cutting him on the arm. They didn't speak until a few years before my father transitioned but right. uh then he had some issues with my grandmother as well so he carried yeah. all this toxicity around and i yeah. believe a lot of those issues he experienced early on that is his drinking issues his way right. to, to kind of put a band-aid over things so um that, that was definitely tough to deal with as a child when he was around but yeah. I, I, without doubt if he was there through high school because through high school was re- was when i really really kind of kind of fell off if you will it got involved in some things i i shouldn't have been involved mm-hmm. in and uh i respected him so much I, I know that um i wouldn't have been doing those things but again i i, I thank god for it all uh, that was just my purpose my experience right. you know i believe in manifestation and one thing i've learned actually recently is not only do we have the ability to to manifest and create um while we're here in our lives now but right. the truth of the matter is we, we we created everything before we even got here so right. those, everything mm-hmm. i experienced with those traumatic experiences. Mm-hmm. I agree to that.
0: I created that. Right. Um, before I even arrived on, on this earth. So right. I'm I'm at peace with it all. Yeah. I I I definitely get that. I know that um being um a life purpose coach, a lot of the trauma that we do feel, um, we carry it around with us. And sometimes, you know, we even replicate some things that we've experienced and we don't know why we do it, you know. Um, yes, just yes. when you were you were talking about your father pouring the oil on you, that could have been something that he saw or happened even happened to him in a similar way, and it was something that he replicated, not thinking that you were his child, you know, and we carry these traumas around, and it 's indeed um, I talked about this earlier. The pandemic made us sit down and get clear on ourselves. We didn't have the outside world, you know, to say, oh, work, you know, this or that or this. We weren't running around. It was, we were in one spot facing ourselves. And I think it's so very important that you said this is that you faced yourself because I don't believe that... We we talk about introvert, extrovert. I don't believe a five-year-old wants to be an introvert. I just don't believe it. <laughs> I, I don't believe it. I just don't believe that they want to... Oh, I don't want to talk to anybody ever again. I don't believe they make that up in their minds. And that's when things cognitively start to develop in us. You know, your character starts forming, you know. But when I say that, is that... Why I say that is that... We have to unpack those things. That's when things start detrimentally starting to change for us. We have to look back way as far as that. No matter if we're 80, and no matter if we're 50, no matter if we're 40, 30, we have to look as far back. What is it that I'm doing? Now I'm doing something that's not conducive to my life, to my health. Now I'm doing it. Now why, What? what's making me do that? And I think you did this so well. Like you, you really... Um, didn't need my help as an, as a host, <laughs> but you unpacked your book altogether and you, you, you shared your life and we, we want to thank you. The audience and I want to thank you for doing that. One thing I do want to get to, cause now the, the hour's late, but, um, I do want to ask this last question about the book. It's on page 104 and you say, what is the, the right thing? The proper thing. I've asked myself that question more often than I can count. Undoubtedly, it is a difficult dwelling in a society where the definition of proper can run counter to what God desires for us. Sometimes it is effortlessly to do the proper thing, and at the other times it takes every ounce of courage that you can that you possess. Can we talk about the proper thing? Yeah, please. So,
1: you, know, when, you, when, you when, when I talk about the, the proper thing, right, um, you know, that, that may be something or things that are socially acceptable, right? Mm-hmm. Things that are, quote-unquote, politically correct, you know? So, um, it, like, within my family, the right thing or the proper, politically correct thing to do is um, go to church, right? Uh, believe in Christ, believe that Christ is our Savior, right. and essentially be a Christian. Right. Right? Now... As I spoke on earlier, I've gotten away from that. Right. I'm no longer a Christian. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm practicing this spirituality. Right. And that is something that God, himself, itself uh, pulled, me, pulled me in, pulled right. me towards to do. Right. And that totally goes against, again, what, what Christianity says, what my family says, what a lot of my friends say. Right.
0: But I had to have the courage to be able to step into that right. and to live that. And you know what? That was not easy, and it was a long time where I, I said to myself, "Yes, this is this the right thing you're doing?" Right, you me know, too. Like being
1: tricked by Satan, right? It's
0: all God of this stuff. Yeah, all these things. <laughs> you know exactly all this exactly. stuff that right. that people told you. You're questioning yourself. You know, yeah, I know. Yeah, the programming is like really going all. You're going against everything. It's, it's it clicks in, and I and I like the correction you made about God Himself because I said that to someone. I said uh, I I can't put him on the same level. I can't put God on the same level as me. So saying Himself, I don't know that to be true. Itself All is right. everything, you know. It's, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's everything. You well said. That, it's it's, it's everything, well. you know. It covers. You know, he, he's a, he's it, a, and I tell people, God is everything. He, he is, is everything. Us. He's truly everything. Everything. Like, I think, I, I'm, I'm out here in Arizona. I, I see mountains when I look out my window. God is the mountains.
1: God is the air we breathe. Yeah. God is the ocean. Yeah. God is is everything. Everything. That, everything. Everything. He's, he's in me. He's in you. Mm-hmm. He's, it's an amazing relationship. It is it's a relationship that I would have never had if I didn't face those fears right. of, of, of doing things kind of unorthodox, doing things that I was um, pro, by not doing things that I was programmed to, to do. Yeah. And since since I've done that, and I tell you what, you talk about freedom, you talk about liberation. Yeah. You talk about a sense of self and knowing myself. Oh yeah. Self, oh yeah. I mean, it's 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 there. It, it, it really oh is. Gosh, and, and it isn't just goes it? back again to what it says I look on the back of my book, the death. Renewal, the rebirth. Right. You know, and it, uh, it, it's just been this amazing life that I've had. Um, you know, a lot of people that read the book, may I said that, and you look at those traumas. But again, those traumas, those experiences
0: right.
1: Right. were all necessary yeah. to bring me to where I am now.
0: Right. And the you know, oneness, okay. the oneness yes. that you feel, um, I spent 29 years on, in, in church only to not know God, not to have exactly, an idea. Right. You know, um, and and when I was coming out of it, I literally I was at a prayer session with the church. It was uh, everybody's praying. And so I heard my name come out of the side room. So I thought someone was calling me. So I just got up and I went back and I saw there was nobody there. And I'm like, what's going on? And I said, I heard it again, like really loud. And I'm just looking around and saying, there's nobody, unless, and I looked out the window to see if somebody was outside, maybe saying my name, wanted to talk to me or something. Whatever. No one was there. I then not turn around to go back to, to continue to pray with everyone else. And the spirit literally said, look at that. And so I'm standing there looking. And so everyone's you know, praying, um, they're, they're, speaking in what we call the other tongues, but we want to get in that. That's another subject. Um, the other, the, you know, another tongue. And then they were, they were, you know, spitting and, you know, you know, on the ground banging and just a whole lot of theatrical things that were happening. And literally when I say the veil kind of fell off my eyes, it, it really did at that point. And it said, pray in the spirit and that startled me and this is not the the spirit that's how god spoke to me and that was my first awakening to god is just not the behaviors that we've been taught and on the way I guess, with, on the way out, and I, and I had to learn how to get out, you know, because you, 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 you've done it so many years, you know, you're 29 years, you, you're going to church three days a week, you know, and you're doing all these things, you, you become so methodical, like a robot, and then when you don't do it, you get like, oh, stuff like, oh, God, I'm supposed to be going this way, and I'm going this way, you know, it's like, it's so, it's so much pressure, but on the way out, Um, God spoke to me and said, Christianity was not intended for us. That's not what he wanted. That's not what the example of Jesus was about. And I was like, it it just floored me. So I understand your freedom of being in in the spirit realm. I've been on this this route since 2007. Um, And I had a traumatic car accident. And my... um, uh, the engine of my car came in into on 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 my chest um punctured both of my lungs um broke my hip my my bones were crushed on one, on the right side um i had like traumatic injury to my face they didn't think i was going to make it but i always tell everybody after that i've learned i learned so much about god during that time he had to break up the fallow ground <laughs> You know, and he had to put, because, you know, remember the scripture that says, um, you can't put new wine in old wineskin. So I had to be a whole new person in order to receive what the the position I'm in now, and that's spirituality. And that's a different plane, and people don't see it the way you do. And all I say, you will one day, you will. You yes, will. Right. You <laughs> will see it, you you will will see it one day. And, I, uh-huh. you know, so I don't thwart anybody's, you know, people ask me, you know, um, how did you get there? I was like, I don't think you want to go the way I came. <laughs> no, you don't want to come the way I came. But I said, but <laughs> when you get there, it's going to be the most satisfying thing that you've ever had in your life. You could have 10 cents and you believe that tomorrow, if you had a bill paid to pay, God is going to instruct the universe to, to, to give you what you need. It I just, happens every time. Every time. You know. Never. And especially That's if you time. vibrate, you vibrate that vibration, you know. Yeah. We as a black community have to learn to vibrate in that, not in lack, but in that there's power in what we think and what we speak. We often speak the wrong things, you know? We create, we're creators, and and we don't want to believe it because then we have to dispel all that other stuff that we've... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They don't want to give it up. They don't it want to give reason. it up. It's all fear-based. It's all fear-based, it right? It is. It, 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 it is. What
1: that's not the right thing to do. Well, how, how's my
0: family going? Oh, right, right. Know, my
1: friends going to
0: view... Or... Uh, or, Justin, it could be... Now, at this point, it's ego. Oh,
1: Matt, yeah. Yeah, now it's, I put
0: too that's much that's into that's
1: this. That's
0: that's what, that's ego. That's yeah, I put too much into this. What, are you kidding me? I'm not letting that go. I did all this work and... You know, and people looking up to me, I'm not gonna change, you know, so it it becomes ego after a while, but i I just think I really thank God and the 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 universe in general for making things happen for me, that I am in that spiritual realm. Me and you have gone- gone through the same exact things. Mine's a little earlier, but it's I'm glad that you're there. I am so glad that you're there, and it's good to, it's good to see. Um, a man, a male and his wife, I didn't meet her yet, but, um, to, to see it from that, from that perspective. And when I opened your book and it said the eye of the father, I, uh, I thought of in the, in the eye of the beholder. I thought of that, you know, love, you know, I thought of that. I was like, Oh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And I said, like, Oh, same difference. <laughs> Same difference. Well, thank you so much. This is so exciting for our audience, Justin and, and I, to get to know about your book. And we want to be able to get your book. I have your book already. Thank you so very much. I read it in an hour. It's very readable. Um, can you tell us how to obtain a copy of this? Amazon would be your
1: go-to, uh, unless you live in the Phoenix area. I have it in a couple bookstores uh, here in the Phoenix area, but uh, most people get it on Amazon. You can find it on Amazon, uh, paper, paperback, for eleven ninety nine.
0: Okay, and audience, it's called the In the Eye of the Father. In the Eye of the Father. Okay, so right now is the second part of the show, and we want to pivot this now, because now we know all about your book, we, and we know about you. What we wanna know now we wanna get really really into like knowing who you are. What would be what's your your favorite basketball team? <laughs> you
1: know, basketball, you know, I love you know, I don't I don't I'm not into basketball as, much okay. as I, used to. I used to be a biggest basketball fan, but basketball became uh a little predictable for me. Uh, I'm in the college more than I am pros, but right for Detroit. So one okay.
0: you know, of my pistons. You know? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Yeah, you can't, you can't, can't go against that. You can't go against that. Right. That's right. <laughs> Especially if this is, oh, you know, people hear you saying it. So stay with that. Stay with that. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. Oh. Kind of yes. And you know, I heard that you, um, you said something about you loved football. I heard that. You, yeah. yeah. You okay? Because I'm a football yeah. fan. I love the season of football. I am like. The biggest guy. I got the blue things on. You know, I got, I'm colored up. I'm, you know, I'm excited about football. I'm like, if no one's here with me, I got my dip. You know, my dip and the, <laughs> my chips and my, you know, buffalo wings. And I got the speakers on the, on the television and I'm screaming. So I'm the biggest fan of football. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy Yeah, football, that's, that's my sport. I, I played football when I was a kid yeah. in high school. My, my brothers played football. I've just always been a huge football family.
1: As far as pro teams, uh, definitely the Lions, but I, I like the Cardinals now, too. I've been right. doing them for the last couple
0: of years. years. Okay. Of course, go blue, Mr. Wolverines. That's my college team. So.
2: Okay. <laughs>
0: okay. 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 <laughs> so, um, what is the best compliment you ever received? question
1: Edna. um A simple thank you thank you for helping me uh, oh. there's, a, there's a young man who i met through a mutual friend uh, mm-hmm. back in i think 2020 yeah that was in 2020 no mm-hmm. i'm sorry this is 21 february of 21 okay um and and this person was uh if a lot he, he separated from his, his significant other they had a child together and uh his girlfriend finally the separated and he became homeless he wasn't oh. able to see his kids yeah, yeah. And he just didn't have a job he was just really down on his luck mm-hmm. and i uh he met i was asked to be a mentor uh to him through, okay through a mutual friend and right. he has really over the last year uh changed his life for the better this young man is he has his own place in fact soon after obtaining his own place he
2: Got an even bigger and better place that was better wow, for, for him. Um, he is now able to, uh, he's, he has his kids every, every weekend. He sees his kids every weekend
0: now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's found uh, some, some solid, solid work, a pretty decent job right. that, he, that he enjoys doing. And
1: uh, I'm not taking credit for it, for his job.
0: Oh, no, no. That,
1: that's, that's, that's the father working through me to right. be able to tell him what he needed to hear at the for time. Sure. absolutely. You know, and uh, he, he told me, uh, I'll probably say uh, a little, little bit earlier this year, he just said, you know what, Justin, I just want to thank you. Uh, you came mm-hmm. into my life at the at the perfect time uh, when, I needed, when I needed it. And you told me some things. He said a lot of things that you told me I didn't want to hear, but you were straight up with me. Yeah. And uh, you really helped me. Uh, you mentored me, so so thank you. Yeah, um, and a simple thank you. I that's thank great. God that I was able to. So that's the biggest compliment I received. I was yeah. able to leave uh, my footprint on his
0: life yeah. and change, help change the yeah. trajectory of, of his life. Yeah.
1: And, and, and that just not only makes his life better, but his, his kids' life better. Oh, and, sure. And, you know, it, it essentially affects generations. So
0: right. It's to, like. it's called writing in the book of life. You've yeah, written in yeah, somebody's yeah. book. Yeah. You know, what... If you could bill, if you could um, have a billboard with anything on it, what would that be, and why?
1: Well, wow. you have the best questions. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> if I could have a billboard and write anything on it, mm-hmm. what, what would it be and why? Yeah. My um, first thought is to have something in regards to to maybe asking a question or making people think about self and healing. Okay. Um I, I think that would be something like something something like that, to, something in that regard to really make people think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I, I think we all need healing to a certain extent.
0: Yeah. Uh, Every day, th- sometimes. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, I really believe once people um, learn about self life, like you've been able to do, and I've been mm-hmm. able to do, uh, and a lot of others, I, I think that those that are not aware. Once they go through that healing process right. and learning about self
0: and spirituality, uh, they they can do what, what we've done, right? Is is have that death and that rebirth to to change the trajectory of their life forever. Right. So I think that's important. That's good. That's good. Final question: What would you pick for your last meal? Hey. <laughs> you know
1: what? You know, <laughs> that's funny because uh, you know I bank bank I've been <laughs> having bacon or any type of pork in about yeah. six, seven years now, and I haven't <laughs> ate. <laughs> and I haven't a uh, chicken in about two years now. Okay. Uh, I'm doing a plant-based thing, a pescatarian seafood. Yeah. But uh, I tell you what, I would have me about half a pound of bacon. <laughs> I would have, have me a couple of lobster tails. I would have me a, a grilled... Uh, New York strip
0: and foray. Oh, boy. You go out in style. Yeah, I will have some of
1: my mama's
0: banana pudding. Oh, Lord. You sound like my son. You sound like my son. Oh, gosh. He loved that banana pudding. Yes. That will do it for me. <laughs> well, that sounds delightful. Very filling, but very delightful. Yes,
2: yes.
1: Yes.
0: Okay. Well, it's been really delightful and really informative and, um, refreshing and empowering to speak with you today, Justin Williams and your final thoughts. What's the best tip you can share with anyone in the audience today on how to just move forward in, in the, um, writing a book, you know, as being an author, what would you give them to, to, to move them out, move them forward? I would say, my first
1: um, piece of advice would be to uh, face your fears. Don't don't be scared of the fears. There's just a lot of fear, a lot of doubt. You're gonna go through. Gonna, my, at least during my my process of writing my book, I go through so many emotions. A little fear, a little doubt. Yeah. Um, or, you know, do I really want to do this? Am I? Is this the right time? Right. Um, and I tell you what, the, the time is never better than now. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And. Um, Look to the Spirit to guide you as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a huge advocate of meditation, um, which has definitely been life-changing for me. I encourage people to start meditating. If you have those questions or you seem stuck in that process of of putting the book together, or or, or even if you're looking to take the first step and don't know what to do, start with the Spirit. Go get in that meditation. Pray whatever you have to do to get alone and uh, find out what needs to be done. And and, and always know that that's not going to come Externally, that's going to come right. from the internal. Inter- yeah, exactly. right? you, you have everything in you. That that's the gift. We've been gifted with everything we need to deal with any and everything that we that we face in this this life here on Yes, you know, Absolutely. and it's just all about becoming aware of that. And Absolutely. Once you're able to do that, um, you are a new person, and you'll have all the answers you need to your questions. So I, I'm real big on uh, handling or controlling fear, because fear is is, is one of the main things that, that really prevent people from living, as they say,
0: their best life is yes. stepping
1: into their purpose and stepping into their greatness.
0: That's wonderful. Well, thank you very much. How? What do you have on the um, horizon that you can share with the audience? And please let us know how we can get in touch with you.
1: Really? So um, one, of the, uh, one of the things I started in December of 2020 is is, is my show, uh, The Hidden Gateway Podcast. Um, I've, I've been Doing it uh, now it was wow. Was, uh, about a year and a half, whatever, whatever it <laughs> is, and uh, it's been such an amazing experience, and part of my healing process as well, right? Because remember, I was this quiet, introverted guy, so this yeah. helped me kind of get out in front of people and express myself, etc. Oh, and I've been very blessed with the universe. I, I, I did. I've been
2: doing so much, and it's almost as if the universe meets me halfway, right? And yeah. I've been blessed, and I've had some really phenomenal guests on there. I've interviewed people such as uh, Dr. Robert Malone, who admitted the
1: MMR. Uh, that goes into the vaccines Dr. Peter mm-hmm. McCullough uh Robert Kennedy Jr. uh Dr. Christian, North of even even Tommy Chung from, from Cheech and Chong so wow. that's been really fun so they can check me out at a weekly show
0: um, my website is thehiddengateway.com okay um, obviously there's the book that they can find on on Amazon and I also created
1: an organization uh last year uh called Tangelic. Mm-hmm. And, um, With that organization, what I do is help people move past traumatic experiences and and step into their purpose in life, et cetera. And I'm currently working with another similar organization here in the Phoenix area. Now, my organization, I do have a a specific interest with uh, working with the homeless. Okay. have have gone through things, but I'm open to, to help anyone. You know, absolutely with, again, the, the homeless, and, and that website is under construction. That website should be up and running uh, within the next week or so. Uh, but yeah, definitely my website, and uh, I have you know the social media as well uh, Instagram,
0: Facebook, okay. uh, Twitter, you name it. Uh, my <laughs> personal as, as well as the hidden com and Tangelica. So. Okay, wonderful. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening, audience. Thanks for you know, supporting us. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media. Leave us a rating or a comment or review. And remember, you can press the button and actually leave a comment. Or if you have a question that you'd like to ask Justin Williams or myself, Edna White, you can do so. Now remember, you can catch up to me with all the latest news on generational habits and traumas on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter at EJW Coaching. Thanks again, and I'll remember to always say something nice to you, but I will always have the real deal. This is Edna White and my guest, Justin Williams, signing off. Bye for now.